Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm your host, Deidre Downing of Story IQ. And today, we're going to talk about evolving legacy organizations through tech. Joining us is Aaron Gorham, who's the Senior Director of Enterprise Data and Analytics at JR Simplot. JR Simplot is a privately held food and agribusiness company located in Boise, Idaho. Yesterday, Aaron and I had a chance to talk about running a full-stack data shop. And today, we're going to push our conversation into how we can think about evolving a legacy organization through tech. So, Here's my conversation with Aaron Gorm, the Senior Director of Enterprise Data and Analytics at JR Simplot. Welcome back, Aaron. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Deidre. Glad to be here. You know, yesterday, I think I referenced you. You've worked in a couple of uh, agribusiness organizations. And when I think of agribusiness, I go to farming. And I know that it's far more complicated to that than that. Um, but I also think about them as being potentially, you know, sort of old-fashioned types of businesses, which I know is also probably an incorrect assumption here. So I'm wondering, you know, how how either JR Simplot or any of the other sort of more legacy organizations you've worked for in the past have thought about evolving their technology, uh, particularly in the context of data operations. I think one of the, the perceptions of the ag industry is that is that kind of that picture of the old farmer, right? Got his little his rusty John Deere tractor, and he's got his straw hat, and he's got the hay coming out of his mouth, and he's, you know, just kind of got a broken fence behind him, and and he's he's running a farm, and and I think that's a that's an interesting image that people have, myself included, right? It's just one of those things that just sort of pops to your mind, and it's kind of some of the romantic components of the ag industry or that just sort of that person against the wild and they're making they're making something out of nothing and i think that there's this idea that there's not a lot of tech in ag um the reality is there's tons of it um our customers in particular are you know their cpas their their macro economics masters they've got their you know they've got their agronomists they've got i mean these are high level thinkers these are people that are running you know gigantic multinational businesses these aren't just kind of simple folks that you know that are just doing some farming these are people that are really running a business and people that are really operating large scale you know large scale farms that you know want thousands of acres so it's a pretty it's a pretty advanced thing pretty advanced industry i should say and really though to your point is you know the the companies that service them we are trying to catch up right we're we're behind our customers in some cases not all of them but in some and so how do we deliver faster how do we and how do we meet the needs of this highly evolving customer base where people don't want to have to go sift through 15 different labs and you know weather reports and moisture information and all that they want to be able to see what do i have to do today right? And we haven't been able to really deliver that well in the past. And so we're having to 
really catch up and tr- try to potentially get ahead of our customers with regards to what they're looking for and what are they asking for. And what, what's been fascinating about that is we've had to really make some pretty big investments and big decisions around how do we position ourselves to really operate in the digital age. I know that's like a, you know, 1990s term, but it's true. We, we've got to, we've kind of got to get there. We really haven't had a lot of push to get there, um, until recently. Uh, but we are definitely having to move in that direction. And there's a large amount of investment being poured into this from, and whether that's on the operation side, you know, how do we deliver our fertilizer faster? How do we get our seed there? What are we doing with, you know, with our farms all the way out to the, you know, really more of the, like, how do we deliver services and, and to the customers that they don't have today, um, that they're going to need tomorrow. So it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty unique time to be in the ag industry. And uh, you know, you worked at John Deere for a long time, so more of the equipment end versus the seed uh, end of the business. Uh, have you found the interest in moving forward with technology similar between those organizations, or are there differences? And maybe it's at a point in time also where there it's hard to compare. It's kind of hard to compare. I mean, John Deere basically has turned itself into Apple. Right. It's if you look at what they're doing and how they're operating and they're really they're not building tractors anymore. They're building technological solutions to deal with different needs of different farmers in different areas. And it's it's an interesting set of problems you have to work through on the equipment side. And they are doing a fantastic job uh, of converting themselves. We are sort of trying to play catch up. So they're they're building stuff. They're sending data. They're doing all this neat these neat things with their tractors and their combines and everything. We're trying to figure out how do we integrate that data into overall solutions that would then help us figure out what fertilizer do you need? What, you know, what pesticide you might need herbicide, you know, how do we want to treat your field looking at imagery? Where's the, where the bad spots is your irrigation bad? I mean, this is the, these are the things we're trying to really get up to speed on and really get closer to so that we can deliver more to the customers. Um, and, and really on the, on the agribusiness side, the, like that sort of retail side, it's always been kind of, it's a very person to person business. I mean, people don't typically buy truckloads of fertilizer from Amazon, right? It's just, it just doesn't happen that way. And also there's these, some of these chemicals are very dangerous and require certifications. And, and so having that, that sort of person to person partnership is important, but, it's changing, right? The, some of the farmers are getting more, a lot more tech savvy and they want more. They want to be able to do more faster. They don't want to necessarily, um, you know, have to have us in the middle for, for every decision. And although they do want us to help advise them on things. So just getting us, getting ourselves in a position to where we can, you know, sell more product in, improve that customer experience. Um, those are things that are really driving us to get more technologically uh, savvy. And we're also using, again, John Deere's got a, a pretty big set of problems and they're doing great. We're wrestling with a lot of different things too, because our industry is pretty fragmented. Like our suppliers are, you know, sometimes it's just Bob's seed company and it's just some guy down the street that's selling us some corn seed, or it might be a, a Bayer or BASF that's, you know, that is super integrated and, you know, we do our business in a very highly effective way and our, we co-plan with them and it, it's challenging. That's the challenging part is that there's not like, we have a huge disparity of not only are we have a disparity with our own company and industry, but then our suppliers, our customers are also very disparate in, in what they can deliver and how they can provide it. Do you have any examples of what, 
you know, how adopting a new technology or process has had a significant impact on transforming the legacy processes within uh, JR Simplet, either, you know, in their data analytics practices or, or anything else in the business? So we're getting ready to go through right now. Uh, we we're starting, in fact, next month um, in earnest, this transformation from our legacy ERP, or excuse me, legacy data warehouses and data warehouse environment into a cloud environment. And we had, I was mentioning uh, in our last podcast, there was a, we're doing an SAP implementation and one of our business units just went online. And so we decided to go ahead and build their reporting and analytics needs in the cloud. And what we're finding is a couple of things. The first off, one of the most important things I would ever tell to any data professional, certainly an old codger like me who is used to, I mean, really nothing changed for 30 years. It was the same thing. It's like you get some kind of a front end thing and you have a database and pick your flavor and you did stuff and you made reports and graphs and yay, you know, and, and it worked great, but nobody made any investments in this forever. And then all of a sudden there's the giants woke up and now we are in this world where the data engineering space is as vibrant as I've ever seen it. So we're using, you know, building this, this environment out in the cloud, we're using tools, techniques, processes that are, are very novel for us, for, for legacy folks. And they are awesome. It's not one of these, oh gosh, I've got to go from this hunk of junk to this hunk of junk. It's like, no, I'm going from a Chevette to a Ferrari. I mean, it's just, it's a whole different thing. And so going through that process with a small group of people, what we found is using the tools we have now, I mean, versus the tools we had before, we had an actual like this versus that comparison. It, it takes us about, I don't know, a third to a half the amount of time to develop the same solution in the new world as versus the old world. And really what's helped a lot is, yes, there were, there were issues and, you know, we, we had things go bump in the night and we had to learn some things and we, we had to unwind some stuff and rewind some stuff. But in reality, what my team has seen and what's exciting for me is that I thought I was going to have a huge change management problem on my hands. Right. People, they, you know, cause people like what they like. You know, if you're a, if you've built houses your whole career using the same framing hammer, that's what you, that's what you know how to use. And when somebody brings in an air, air nailer, some people are like, Hey, I don't want any of that. And so what I'm finding is just the opposite. I've got people who are just ready to go. They can't wait. They can't wait to put down their old tools and learn the new ones. And it's pretty fascinating. And I think a lot of that is because of, I think a lot of it is because of the technology is just, it's just more intuitive. It's better. Uh, it's has a ton more capability, but also, you know, they're getting it firsthand from my team that, oh, oh boy, this is cool. This is neat. And you're going to want to do this. And it's just making that, that whole component of my world a heck of a lot easier than it could have been. Uh, this might be the first conversation I've had, Aaron, where someone says, I don't have that change management problem that I was anticipating. So that's that's fantastic. And to our listeners, please don't go poaching Aaron's team because they clearly are some uh, open-minded, forward-thinking individuals. Well, now here's the thing, though, and here's where we're, we have to win hearts and minds. It's not – so getting the engineers to be in a happy place is – that's I mean, that's a huge lift for me. But really the question is going to be, how do you, how do I convince my business partners to go, Hey, we can go slap another arm onto the Frankenstein that we've built over the last 20 years. It's going to take three months or we can build 
build it out properly in the new world is going to take a little bit longer, but you're going to have something that's going to sustain and it's going to be that adding two columns to the, I don't know if you hear this or not, but they, you know, you, I get this anecdote all the time. It's like, man, I just want to add two columns to a table. Well, when you really look into it, there's a, you know, because everything's strung together and, and, and all that, it's like, well, that's, that's a, that's a three month problem because you have to go do your research and go figure out what the, what's going to happen, the change manager, what's going to happen if we, if we do this and, and everything's just hard. Well, now it's like, you know, that, that add two columns thing, we'll have that done this afternoon. Like, it's not even a thing. We don't even have to worry about it. And, and that's and telling that technical value story and selling the, the business value to the business is going to be my big job over the next year and really getting them to buy into this because we can't just stop what we're doing. We can't just lift our garbage from the legacy world into the new world. That doesn't get me anywhere, but just getting them to invest in invest time in us building out a resilient long-term data environment is, uh, is going to be the big change management piece for me. And I'm hoping and I'm hoping too that when we run it again, same thing, we run another group through a legacy team through one of these conversions and they see, oh my gosh, this is way faster. It's way better. I'm hoping there's going to be a lot of, oh, I want some of that too. But then that's, that's kind of what we're banking on at the moment. It doesn't matter what you're trying to convince your business partners of, if you can articulate the value. Uh, and, and in this case, I think just the time that can be saved and the efficiencies you have, you have a win. Uh, and I guess the hardest thing is to capitalize on or, or show that value pretty quickly. So do you have any tips for, you know, walking people through this process of, all right, it's going to take me a little longer than it would to add an arm to Frankenstein. I love that term. But here's the value you're going to get out of it. Are there any quick wins that you think you can engineer a little bit to give people confidence along the way that this time is worth it? I think you can, I mean, really, first off, don't get suckered into the whole well, I guess we need to rebuild the whole world, you know, conversation. I think it's really more, you know, and and this is just our terminology, but, you know, you've got your programs, you've got your projects, you have your enhancements, you've got your support items. I mean, so we, you know, and that's, those are all have different priorities and, and levels of bigness, but honestly, start with something small. I mean, like if you've got an enhancement to, you know, add some, you know, add something to, you know, a, a report or a data mark use that as a test case to just blast it through and we can and just explain and show them hey look this is how this went and this is how this is different and this is why this is faster try to do a bunch of those because the the part that gets lost and the part that gets lost from our legacy land and this kind of my team is so sick of me saying this but i need i want interdependence not independence for now because the thing is, if somebody goes and builds a data object that's just sort of a common generic data object around one of our ERPs, it's built. Everybody else, the next time you, the next time somebody else comes to go do something, it's already on the inventory, right? It's already in the warehouse. So you just pull it off the shelf and you're just you're just working. And I think that to me is the part that is, you know, that's that it doesn't take a lot of small things to really build out that inventory of of common objects to where everybody can pull from so now you're sort of taking these little wins and that can turn into the big wins i think the the mistake people make because it their boss is telling them to do it typically is hey i don't want to be here i want to be here well you kind of need to take a, a long way to get there or what may seem like a a long or a, a bunch of little wins to get there, the big fat win is much easier to achieve when you have a lot of the 
the base foundational stuff in it. So start small, start with the quick wins, and then start to build off of those. Is there anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners about the either value of moving from legacy systems uh, or taking a, we'll call them a legacy business, right? A traditional business into a more digital tech driven position. So I, I, I would say I'm not going to necessarily speak for the business. I mean, we, everybody knows there's business value in, in this area to be able to, to deliver more robust, capable, highly technical solutions to our customers. I think that's, that's just the way the world's going. And, and that's, going to happen because the market's going to continue to push things that way from a data side though you know again as as an old war horse in the data space i'm as i mean I've, I've had every job in data i just realized that the other day i'm like i think i've done everything i seriously i i and and i and i love it and i love the space and and to be honest with you there it was kind of not very exciting there for a while um, and then we started getting big data and okay, I guess we're going to blow up the mainframe and we try to load that. So now we have to get, you know, so now things were just, they were slowly evolving. And really the thing I would just tell anybody who's in the same boat that I was, which is nothing's changing and this and anything that's, you know, interesting is just really hard to do. And why would I want to change? I'm just here to tell you, if you, if you go and watch it and you watch your practitioners go in and use the tools that are available now and use what's out there and the expertise there's the ability to transform and what you can possibly do goes way past data storage it's like you're able to do things now with data environments that you could never do in a legacy um in a legacy world and an on-prem data center and just the tools the techniques the ability to standardize you know using like for example python to just really, really reduce the amount of code you have to write. It is unreal and get, it's something to get excited about sincerely in the data space. And it, that is going to transform my organization. Um, and I'm super excited to see what's going to happen there. I don't know of another way to, to do what we're trying to do without some of the tools and, and platforms we're using today. Well, that's a, an inspirational ending to our conversation here, Aaron. Um, I love your your forward thinking, your your futuristic standpoint here, and just your excitement around using data to drive businesses and to make those processes cleaner, more valuable, and more consistent uh, among the people who need to use them. So that's going to wrap this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks again to Aaron Gorham, the Senior Director of Data and Analytics at JR Simplot, for joining us. If you'd like to contact Aaron, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Aaron Gorham, A-A-R-O-N-G-O-R-H-A-M, or visit his company website at simplot.com. Thanks again, Aaron. This is a great conversation, and hopefully we've got a reason to chat again in the future. Sounds great. It was my pleasure. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling narratives with our audience of data storytellers, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. Of course, you can always contact me directly at linkedin.com slash in slash Deidre Downing, or find us at StoryIQ on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. All right, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more. Uh-huh.